Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Jeff Chrysler, and this is the Final Edition Radio Hour. Tony Hender is still traveling the world, but we both wanted to ask, do you remember 2014? <laughs> Those innocent days when the end of the world seemed so far away. We were worried about slow-moving catastrophes like global warming and parachute pants. Well, now the apocalypse seems like it's right around the badly tan, short-fingered corner. And while there's a chance we won't last as a species beyond November, just in case, we've been busy preparing some cool projects. The final edition's about to release an album called Are There Any Triggers here tonight? We've also got a series about the Supreme Court that'll be out on Howl, and uh, we've got a lot of other cool stuff. It's all top secret. But because we've been so busy with those, we haven't had time for a fresh new radio show, and there's so much happening. Nonetheless, we scoured the archives and found something you'll love. So please sit back, embrace the end times, and enjoy this classic 2014 episode of the Final Edition Radio Hour. The Final Edition Radio Hour is a work of satire intended for audiences who own books, gentrify neighborhoods, and say they like kale. Please consume responsibly the satire, that is. Welcome to the Final Edition Radio Hour, a more perfect onion. I'm Tony Hendra. And I'm Jeff Chrysler. This week, Chris Christie explodes, Ira Glass examines the new economy, and Charlie Rose hits on Meryl Streep. We'll also preview Spielberg's new blockbuster, which has already won the Oscar for Best Movie of 2014, be touched by an OK Cupid romance, and feel the pain of downwardly mobile cats. This is the Final Edition Radio... Oh my god! And now a message from Freedom Industries in West Virginia. Mr. Freedom, I've lived in Charleston, West Virginia my whole short life, but my town has never smelled so delicious. What's going on? Well, Timmy, we at Freedom Industries have inadvertently leaked a delicious chemical into the water. A magical, wonderful scrum-tastic syrup called 4-methylcyclohexane methanol. It smells like licorice. Can I drink it? Good God, no. But it makes the town smell like Candyland. More than that, Timmy, it makes the town smell like freedom. Freedom from oversight. Freedom from eco-terrorists. Freedom from liberals. Freedom from Obamacare. Freedom from tumors? Sorry, Timmy. Freedom isn't free. 
but they hurt so much. You know, Timmy, we've got a pretty nice little country here. Except for the majority of the population, which voted for that Kenyan fella. But we've all got to make sacrifices for freedom. And freedom industries. What are you sacrificing, Mr. Freedom? Well, I have to give up going anywhere within 50 miles of your wonderful, wonderful town. But more than that, Freedom Industries will have to give up its name for a while. Oh, Mr. Freedom. I know, Timmy. But until that heavenly stench of licorice completely dissipates, and it's so pretty deep in the ground, so, you know, Freedom Industries is going to have to call itself something else. Maybe Liberty Industries, or Unconstrained Industries, or... Carte Blanche Industries. Oh, I like that one. How about Super 5 Happiness Remember 9-11 Industries? Good one, Timmy. We're all gonna miss you. But Mr. Freedom, will freedom be gone forever? (laughs) No. Freedom Industries will never die. Just all the plant life surrounding it. Freedom Industries of West Virginia. They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Industries. This portion of the final edition Radio Hour is sponsored by Starbucks, the fragrance. Introducing Starbucks, the fragrance. Wake up and smell like coffee. Caution, the fragrance you're about to use will make you extremely hot. The following is a paid political message from Idiots with Guns. Hi, I'm Bill Newport. And I'm Chris White, on behalf of Idiots with Guns. You know, every time someone gets in the news shooting an unarmed person, the National Rifle Association rises to defend responsible gun owners. But what about the rest of us? The Second Amendment to the Constitution doesn't just guarantee guns for smart, responsible people. They're for everyone. We're idiots, and we have the right to defend ourselves. Now suppose I see a black teenager in a hoodie walking down the street at night. What am I supposed to do? Call the police? Do what they tell me? Let highly trained members of law enforcement handle the situation? Or let's say I've just had a messy divorce, and now my kids and ex-wife are going to continue their lives without my total control. Plus, you're drunk. Plus, I'm drunk. So, I have to go home and kill them. What else can you do? Do I have another option? Probably. But point is, we're too dumb to think of it. That's why guns must be kept safe and legal for exactly the kind of morons who really use them. So I can defend my opinion. And I can defend my opinion. And I can defend my opinion. And I can shoot you in a homosexual panic. What? I'm not gay. This has been a paid political message from Idiots with Guns. Explosive news from New Jersey, which could transform the 2016 presidential race. Our senior East Coast correspondent, Stone Peck, has the breaking story. Just before noon today, residents of Princeton, New Jersey, were startled to hear this. 
It was Governor Chris Christie exploding. Christie was in the governor's mansion drum thwacket, which was totally demolished. He was signing a bill raising the federal minimum weight for New Jersey governors from 200 to 700 pounds. Doctors had been warning the governor since the current round of scandals began that he ran the risk of exploding. Christie's personal physician, Lakshmi Schwartz. Since the cone business, I had been very concerned about a colossal buildup of methane in the governor's internal organs. This was due to his inability or unwillingness for many weeks now to expel bodily wastes from his system. Are you saying, doctor, that Christie exploded because he was literally full of shit? I would not say that. I would say he was full of fecal matter. Adipose tissue, fecal matter, and bits of drum thwacket rained down on Mercer County for several hours. One wooden cherub actually made it as far as Albany, where it caused extensive damage to Governor Cuomo's mansion. Governor Cuomo. Hey, it's a small price to pay. Back in New Jersey, officials in nearby Hunterdon County, New Jersey, said the governor's highly toxic remains were contaminating their reservoirs, which provide much of the state's drinking water. Lieutenant Governor Kim Guadagno. I am refusing to accept federal disaster relief because, as you know, I detest big government, but not big governors. <laughs> A few minutes later, Guadagno realized she was now governor of New Jersey and felt much better. The big fallout, <laughs> sorry, big, was inadvertent, but while we're on the subject, hey, let's hear Christie exploding again. Magnificent! Of course, the big fallout will be in the next presidential race. Christie's record of running New Jersey like a slightly less homicidal Tony Soprano had so excited the GOP, he was being groomed to make a run, or at least a slow shuffling walk, for the White House in 2016. Now what? Chairman of the RNC, Reince Priebus. On this tragic day... Uh, sorry to interrupt, but... What is it with your name? It sounds like a very small, very unreliable hybrid produced in Finland. I hardly think in the face of this tragedy... Or Paraguay. Stone, teams of GOP autopsy experts... And you have a lot of those. ...are scouring western New Jersey for Governor Christie's remains. We already have his left buttock. That's huge! It is. Three foot seven inches wide, to be exact. With good old GOP stick-to-itiveness... I believe we can reconstruct the governor, reanimate that splendid conservative mind. That's a lovely dream, Reince. Yes, it is, Stone, and doable, because I believe the GOP is capable of anything. But let me remind you of a political reality I learned in grade school. Governor Dumpty sat on a wall. Governor Dumpty had a great fall, and all the GOP's whores and all the GOP's bagmen couldn't put Governor Dumpty back together again. Ah, what the hell? One more time. Sayonara, Governor Dumpty. Did you know that water that has been boiled in a microwave, then cooled, is harmful to plants? Well, it isn't. But millions of people now think it is. 
Thanks, Internet. Hey, guys. For the final edition Radio Hour, Will Durst here with a few words of sympathy for the very rich. It seems as if our wealthy brothers and sisters are going through some tough times. Not financially. No, no, no. They're doing very good on that end. Last year, the stock market rose higher than 420 at a Denver dispensary on Jerry Garcia's birthday. Oh, they're comfortable, all right, but becoming slightly uncomfortable, if you catch my drift. It's us nasty poor people, again. It seems we're picking on them. You know, whining, complaining, hungry. Rather than pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps like they did when their daddy left them all that money. Cries of inequality have grown so loud that venture capitalist Tom Perkins was compelled to compare the poor to the Nazis. He said that Germany's 1% were the Jews and America's 1% are the well-heeled. And he did it in a letter to the Wall Street Journal. Well, of course he did. I mean, where do you think he got it published? Progressive magazine? Apparently, affluence causes your skin to grow thin. We have created an entire upper class that are extra sensitive to the slings and arrows tossed at their outrageous fortune. Many malcontents call for the man to have his analogy completed by tattooing a serial number onto his arm. But in America, that anti-rich stuff doesn't really fly because most people are afraid that any restrictions on the loaded and bloated will come back to haunt them when their ship comes in and they start rolling in it. Then again, a recent study determined that 85 people in the world now control the same amount of wealth as half the population of the planet. 85 people have as much money as $3.5 billion. Just wondering, can a run on guillotines be far away? For the final edition Radio Hour, I'm Will Durst. The following message is brought to you by the Republican effort to totally revamp ourselves in 2014. Or Retro 2014. I am black. I am gay. And I am Latino. We're the New Republicans. Hey, my black friend. You are African-American all the time. Tell the people why you are Republican, why don't you? Glad to, my same-sex friend. I am a smaller government guy who is also a black guy. And I am a part of a growing group of Spanish-type people. We're the New Republicans! As a Latino man, I'm not going to deport myself. I no longer wish to deport you, only to discriminate against you in more socially acceptable ways. As do I, my fellow minorities. I am gay, but I feel gay marriage should be between a man and a woman. We're the New Republicans! I think evolution might be true. I think facts might be true. Global warming is still not true. We're the New Republicans! As a black man, I no longer believe in not helping black people. I am gay. I am here. Get used to it. I speak Spanish. Now America has a real choice. It's like the choice between Oreos and Hydrox. Vegas and Atlantic City. Type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. We're the New Republicans! Are we off? That was pretty good. I'm going to be the gay guy next time. The following portion of the final edition Radio Hour is made possible by a grant from Smirk Pharmaceuticals. I take Dirigor Epinephamphetamortisone, or DREAM. It doesn't do that much for me. 
can't take the dog for a walk. It won't fry my breakfast. It can't change the horror of an infinitely blank and hostile universe bent on burying me alive beneath the immeasurable weight of its dark matter. But it does make me feel a little better. For a while. Smirk developed Dream to counteract the horrific side effects brought on by long-term use of its own hypertrophic drugs. And Dream does the job. I do feel a little better. For a while. Then I have to take some more. Ask your doctor if Dream is right for your bottomless sense of despair. In the meantime, here's a few things you should know. Dirigor Epinef Amphetamortisone can and usually will cause dizziness, violent seizures, loss of hearing, uncontrollable vomiting leading to organ failure, hair loss, loss of fingers, toes, and limbs, leprosy, partial blindness, total blindness, massive strokes, bloody stool, seven groups of terminal cancers, morbid obesity, asphyxia, sudden death, not so sudden death, slow lingering death, death by water, bubonic plague, necrotizing fasciitis or flesh-eating disease, spontaneous combustion, and stage three syphilis. Be aware that Dirigor Epinef Amphetamortisone is a powerful toxin with no known antidote. It should not be taken by pregnant women, non-pregnant women, tall women, overweight women, men of any size, children, adolescents, seniors, pets, any human or non-human living thing except starving, desperately poor Africans in the course of a large-scale clinical trial. Look, dream works. I've tried everything for that overwhelming sense of my own inescapable futility, and nothing works like dream. You know, dream makes me feel a little better. And who doesn't want to feel a little better for a while? This has been a message from your good friends at Smirk. You've gotten all your errands done without talking to another actual human being. In weeks. Thanks, Internet. It's time to meet the final edition Radio Hour's chaplain and end times advisor, Pastor John Hagee of Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. Here's Pastor John with another End Times God podcast. Today, highway safety and the rapture. We all know that in this end time, with Christ Jesus just around the corner, Countless pure, holy Christians are going to be snatched up bodily to heaven in the rapture. But what about we, or you, who are left behind? Say Aunt Daisy is taking you for a ride in her truck. Suddenly, that sweet little old Bible-believing Baptist lady is raptured. Dandy for Daisy, but what about you? You're hurtling down the highway in a driverless vehicle, and it just hit an SUV head-on. Brother, you could be looking at massive head injury. But not if you're wearing one of my unique end-time rapture helmets. Just $99.99 for the peace of mind that passeth all understanding. End-time rapture helmets come in all sizes, one through five. Get them for the whole family. Don't let your loved ones become helpless vegetables. Vegetables don't have souls, and they can't be raptured. So please, brethren and sistren, whenever you drive, for Christ's sake, wear your rapture helmet. Rejoice, America, for the Messiah is coming. Hello, ladies. Are you 40, single, married, divorced, overworked, unemployed, bumping against the glass ceiling? 
Whatever your drama, we can help you escape. Meet Xavier, Raul, Chindao, and Unguru. These handsome little devils are available for companionship at a very reasonable rate. They don't talk back. They don't make you worry. They don't ask questions. All they do is love. Why? Because they're babies, and you're forty, and we're Rent-a-Baby. Don't you want to hold a baby, smell a baby, rock that baby while he or she snuggles right in, and ah,、oh, makes you feel you're needed and capable and human in some small, finite, rentable way. These little cooing, warm balls of soft, smooth love have no agenda except wanting to be held by you, by the minute, by the hour, or for a whole weekend away. <laughs> Our babies are clean, well rested, and well behaved. And if they're not, well, their birth mothers remain in a holding cell while we fight immigration reform. At Rent-a-Baby, everyone, no matter their race, color, creed, or income level, is worthy of love if they're babies. Rent-a-Baby, they're there, they're there. Do 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 do. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Charlie Rose Show. I'm Charlie Rose. Tonight's guest needs no introduction. Three-time recipient of the Academy Award and nominated 17 times, one of the greatest actors of this or perhaps any generation, Meryl Streep. Thank you, Charlie. It's wonderful to be here. In your most recent film, August Osage County, you play an alcoholic, abusive mother. From my understanding, you actually. Became alcohol for this role. Oh, Charlie, that's silly. I don't know what I do. I simply become the role. I read the text and simply become what is needed to tell the story. That's all. It's silly. I see. Yes. I've always had feelings for you. Excuse me. I've always had feelings for you. Um, is that why you brought me here? I'm not a smart man. That's nonsense. You're one of the best interviewers ever. I'm not a strong man. Okay. I've never been able to truly love. Is this part of the interview? I was never able to keep a pet. Right. What is this? I'm not capable of painting fine art. Few. Very few people are.、Um, Long division has always tortured me. When have you needed to do it? I'm afraid of sunshine. Can I leave? I've never lusted after any of your daughters. Thank you. But this is very sweet, Charlie. But I... I've always had feelings for you. Okay. I gotta go. This is weirder than hanging out with Bobby De Niro in his basement on a bad day. I'm sorry. That's okay. James Lipton did a peppier version of this last week. 
Join us next week where my guest will be Bruce Dern. I've always had feelings for him. I'm not an insightful man. I was never good at Jenga. Legos frighten me. conservative, you never have to see another opinion again that challenges you. Thanks, Internet! The final edition presents a public service message from the National Denier Service. Here at the NDS, we've been getting a lot of calls asking if tornadoes are the result of global warming. The best answer is that scientists disagree. Both real scientists and the ones paid for by right-wing front groups with bland patriotic names funded by the Koch brothers. We simply don't have enough information about tornadoes, weather, or bland patriotic front groups to make an informed decision. Most of what we know about tornadoes comes from The Wizard of Oz and Twister. One a classic, and the other not even available on Netflix. Trying to formulate national policy based on a mishmash of the Lollipop Guild and Helen Hunt is itself a natural disaster. As deniers, we know that denial itself is like a tornado, demolishing some truths while preserving others. David Koch is very much like a twister, except twisters don't make big donations to the institutions they subvert. So the next time a tornado hits, do what Dorothy did. Lie on your bed and wait for your black and white farmhouse to take you someplace better. With any luck, you'll make it to that Disney CGI Oz and get to hang out with the magical James Franco. The preceding announcement was paid for by Americans for Preceding Announcements, a bland patriotic front group funded by the Cokes. Now it's time for episode two of Michelle Bachman, Girl Detective. Our story begins when Michelle and her sidekick Marvin run into an old pal. Congressman Daryl Issa, why are you out of breath? Marvin, Michelle, boy, I sure got a mystery for you. Hey, I'm good at mysteries. I've been investigating President Obama because of Benghazi. I thought Al-Qaeda was behind the attack on the embassy, and I thought the president was covering it up. So I investigated and investigated and investigated and investigated. And what happened next? Then I investigated and investigated and investigated and investigated. And what did you find out? Nothing. So I investigated and investigated and investigated and investigated. Is this going anywhere? No. So then the New York Times investigated and they found out there's no evidence Al-Qaeda was even involved. So no Al-Qaeda. No cover-up of Al-Qaeda. And what's the mystery? The mystery is, who wasted everyone's time with this pointless investigation? He did. Daryl Issa. He just said he ran the investigation. Did he? Did I? I didn't hear. I only half listened to myself. But the mystery is, why won't the president apologize? Apologize for your investigation? Exactly! This has been a massive waste of everyone's time. 
investigating why the president lied when the president did not actually lie. Wouldn't you agree that's bad? Well, yeah, but... And isn't it somebody's fault? Yes, you. So, why won't this administration name the person responsible for me wasting everyone's time? Because you're responsible for you wasting everybody's time. The person who should apologize is Daryl Issa. It's an easy name to remember. It's the name you always give whenever somebody asks your name. Why can't they just name the person responsible? It's a simple question. It must be a cover-up. Covering up. That there was no cover-up. The president must be held accountable. To the backmobile! What? Lana Peterson's still OxyContin from her grandmother who needs it to live. Here are Lana's picture and address, posted by her ex-boyfriend, who is lying. Thanks, Internet. And now, an OK Cupid tragic romance. Dear Green-Eyed Girl 297, Your profile says you like travel, wine, and yoga, that you are a foodie, that you are as comfortable in jeans as in a little black dress, that you love watching Downton Abbey, reading David Sedaris, and listening to NPR. How strange and rare you are, like an orchid that sprouts through the rocks. May we meet some night under a mystery sky and dance to the music of madness. I am free Mondays and Thursdays, though not this particular Thursday, but most Thursdays. Dear Brooklyn Al 23, your profile is unfathomable. That you have no typical Friday night. That you love all music except rap and country. That you work hard, yet play harder. And that you spent the first two paragraphs in your profile saying how bad you are at writing about yourself. You are an exotic and fond foolish man with the heart of a god. Mondays and Thursdays aren't good. Wednesday nights are okay, except I'm out of town this week for a conference. How's next week? Green-eyed. Last night I saw you in a dream. The way you looked in the third photo in your profile, the picture from 2007. You stood on a hilltop like the star of an Irish myth. With storm winds streaming out your hair, then turned to me and spoke but a single word. Inspiratio. Next week sucks. It's this whole stupid, complicated thing, but basically I've got to be in my apartment every night to wait for the guy from Time Warner. Uh, the Friday after? Darling, green-eyed girl 297, I have not heard from you, and grow concerned. Have I offended? Do you languish? I fear for what we hold between us. Silence still. So it is done. We have lost what was never found. No, I just flaked out. That's something I do. Dearest Brooklyn Al 23, my soul is yours and I die in ecstatic transference. For in the death of self, there is life in the new being that becomes. But on Friday, I have a mani-pedi, and I made this appointment literally six months ago. How about 
let's see, at this point, we're talking about three weeks from now, Saturday the 27th. And I, too, would die in the light of your voice. But the 27th is my weekend with the kids. Tell you what, I've got an opening next year on February 3rd. How's that? You are the spirit of madness and abandon. Sure, February 3rd works. Then someday, in a far and fair future, we shall meet in the West Village, and we shall open our hearts and become like the ages and not eat fish, because I am allergic to fish. The Academy Award nominations have been announced, and the nation's prediction industry is in high gear. But one great director will not be on tenderhooks until March 2nd, Steven Spielberg. Our Pepper Lewis has the story. Steven Spielberg is a multi-billionaire with a string of blockbusters as long as Amy Adams' hair in American Hustle. But he hasn't won an Oscar for Best Picture since 1993, or an Oscar for Best Director since 1998. And he's still mashing his molars over not getting either last year, when he was nominated in both categories for Lincoln. But he's come back big time with a dramatic announcement. So yeah, come spring, I'll be producing and directing a new blockbuster for DreamWorks, which will make motion picture history. I mean, it could hardly not be a blockbuster, surefire future legend of its time. Tell us what it's called, Steve. Saving the Private Diary of Schindler's Pianist. What's the storyline? Saving the Private Diary of Schindler's Pianist is set in Nazi Germany during World War II. It will be narrated by Natalie Portman from the diary of a 10-year-old Jewish-Polish girl named Anne. She's rescued from a train on the way to Bergen-Belsen by Hector Schindler, brother of famed Oscar Schindler of Schindler's List. Hector is the leader of a Polish resistance group who sabotaged trains bound for the camps. He recognizes Anne as the brilliant six-year-old piano prodigy he once heard play at a recital in the Jewish ghetto of Krakow. two are pursued through Eastern Europe by a vengeful SS officer with a monocle named Klimt. One day before the war ends, he captures them in Normandy. Herr Schindler, wait! I cannot my private diary leave behind in. Art! <laughs> I have you now, you fools! And forces Anne to play for him in a bombed-out cafe. when they're rescued by an American infantry squad under the command of Tom Hanks. Here, kid. We found your diary. Oh, God bless you, brave Yankee soldier. And they're flown to safety in England, where they're greeted by King George VI 
in an hour-long speech he has been rehearsing since 1939. Schindler, England is proud to welcome you to our But there's one more big surprise to this story. Here's president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, Cheryl Boone Isaacs. We of the Academy feel that although Stephen's new masterpiece is not even cast, let alone shot, it would be insulting to make a feature film of this monumental stature wait almost a year to be honored. So, by an unprecedented, extraordinary vote of the Academy, saving the private diary of Schindler's pianist is declared the best picture of 2014 and Stephen best if you do not click like for this post, a child will die of leukemia. If you do click like, another child will not die of leukemia. Thanks, Internet. A message from Instagram. Thousands of people have contacted Instagram recently because their pictures may legally turn up in advertising. Users who are concerned about this should be assured on one crucial point. Your pictures are not that attractive. Seriously, the odds are pretty good the group photo of your incompetent softball team and your drunken self-portraiture at the Cherry Hill TGI Fridays are probably not showing up in any promotional material. For example, Mr. Vance Peterson of Binghamton, New York said he quit our service to preserve his privacy. Mr. Peterson, if it's any comfort, we at Instagram have decided you have an utterly forgettable set of features. For a while there, we thought perhaps all your pictures were just out of focus. But no, that's just you. And to Mrs. Myra Soffridge, who is concerned about the hundreds of photos of her baby. Mrs. Soffridge, we presume your little girl has many delightful qualities that photography does not happen to capture. But rest assured, we will not be using her photos for anything. So don't be scared off by our terms of service. Enjoy Instagram. And as a general note, please stop taking photos of your penis. We've met our quota. The person who would otherwise write the next War and Peace just spent the day at BuzzFeed writing a listicle called 15 Child Stars Who've Aged Badly. Thanks, Internet! WBEZ, Chicago. It's a new world. 
the factories are gone. And while this isn't your father's Oldsmobile, they're not building Oldsmobiles anymore, so even if your father hadn't left you when you were eight and made you spend your life writing poetry about the trauma, he wouldn't even have an Oldsmobile. I'm Everglass, and today on our show, it's a new world. Stories of people making do in the new economy. Act one, our new, new thing. Diantha Stasis Friedman reports from Brooklyn. Sarah Sparrow Biasetti is dressing for a meeting, or as she likes to call it, a meet. She carefully adjusts her wooden beaded necklace. My friend curated a video retrospective of the 1970s, and I just fell in love with them. I think of them as like little individual bullets of vegetable life. I'd love to wear one of my skirts today. They're made from recycled fabrics picked up at the Goodwill. There's this maker in Bushwick, really interesting example of reuse, but uh, we're on our bikes today, so I guess not. We ride over to Third Eye, a shop selling handcrafted objects in Fort Greene. Sarah doesn't like to shake hands. She says it's an artifact of the days when people had to prove to enemies they were unarmed. So instead, she greets the owner... Ian Danforth, with a hug. Great to see you. This shop is looking so great. Thanks. These wooden briefcases, they're gorgeous. I love the irony. Thanks. But aren't they, like, vulnerable to fire? Well, yeah, I mean, they're made of wood, so I guess... Wow, did you see what happened to that tea shop on Adelphi Street? Totally burned out. Yeah, I heard, so... So listen, uh, my friends and I, we have this art collective thing, but we're also getting into personal wellness. We try to secure spaces, you know, make them stable in a kind of energetic and physical way. This is such an energetic space. It would be a shame if something happened to it. Back at what she calls her office, the back room of a food co-op called Kai Organics, Sarah talks to me about her vision of entrepreneurship. It's kind of a free-form business model where we don't, we don't so much work in traditional flows of capital from consumer to producer, but we insert ourselves into the process in interesting and sometimes transgressive ways. I like to think of it as just our thing. For example, last year, Sarah and her partners mostly art school graduates and indie filmmakers who didn't get the grants they wanted on Kickstarter, started talking to the many Starbucks stores now in Brooklyn. They came up with a novel plan. The stores would hire avatars, people who draw no espresso shots, who don't actually show up for work, but are nonetheless paid. We think of it as a victimless performance. That's Michael Wolkover. Sarah's partner in life and business. He's tall, with a bushy beard and a ubiquitous bicycling cap. In one state of being, I'm working at Starbucks, doing the eight-hour shift, getting paid. In another, more physical state, I'm out making my images of the waterfront. Or maybe I'm down at the bar. Michael and Sarah head up one of the many collectives, or crews, of artists, writers, and liberal arts majors who came to Brooklyn to pursue their muse and found that the arts weren't what they once were. Instead, they found a way to insert themselves into a stream of more traditional kinds of commerce, to dip the beak 
as they like to say, There are a lot of inefficiencies in the traditional business model. A lot of places where stuff falls off of trucks, and we happen to know a lot of bicyclists who follow trucks around. Things are going well for Sarah and Michael and their friends, especially now that they've resolved a conflict with another group based out of a weaving workshop. Both groups were vying for opportunity along the gentrifying Atlantic Avenue. Fortunately, that conflict was resolved when the weaving workshop burned to the ground, killing two. For now, Sarah and Michael are happy with where things are. We're not a traditional hidebound business. We let people find their own way, create their own models, whatever feeds their spirit. All we care about is how thick the envelope is at the end of the week. And of course, if people are growing. Funny. I used to think I could make a living just by being myself, but now, forget about it. Yeah. Diantha Stasis Friedman in Brooklyn. Next up, a guy who hits people over the head and takes things from them. Stay with us. This portion of the final edition Radio Hour is courtesy of a grant from Virgin Space Time. Hello, gorgeous. Fly you to the moon? I'm Richard Branson. That's Sir Richard to you. Welcome to Virgin's fab new interplanetary rocket line, Virgin Spacetime. Yes, duckies, Virgin Spacetime can now fly you to the moon. And I don't mean on gossamer wings. Fly in an obscenely luxurious ruling class stateroom. Feast on endangered species from doomed planet Earth. You gastronaut, you. Have gravity-free sex with one or more of our cool white moon goddesses. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Virgin Space Time, making space available for everyone who's anyone. Treehaven Police Department instructional video number 16, how to find and arrest big-time teenage drug dealers. Welcome to this instructional video. Each of you has been chosen to go undercover at the local high school because of your youthful looks and shallow, reckless rookie ambition. Now, when you first arrive at the school, the drug dealers may not be the people who actually sell the drugs, since they may not be willing to sell the drugs to you. Instead, your dealers may be lonely kids who have trouble making friends. Hey, you don't seem to have any friends. Why's that? I'm... I'm mildly autistic. You know where to get pot? No, I can't tinker with my medication. Another way to uncover a drug dealer is to wait for an awkward teenager to become sexually attracted to you. Uh, Hey! Uh, So you just transferred to this school, huh? Uh... So, do you sell ecstasy? Uh, yeah, sure! I'm cool. Both of these officers have made a good start. Now they need to apply peer pressure, which, as we know, is the cause of all drug use. Guess you haven't had a lot of friends before. 
because real friends come through with weed. I'm asking around to see who has it, but I have a social anxiety disorder and I vomit when I approach new people. Get me the fucking weed! Or perhaps a softer approach. It's going to be so awesome when you get me that ecstasy and we're going to be together. Even with my psoriasis? Most important of all, they cannot just give you the drugs. You have to make sure they take money for it. Just take the pot. I don't want the money. I want to go home. Take the money or I'll bust your f***ing arm! Or you can try a softer approach. Take the money or I'll bust your f***ing arm! Now you have the drugs. They have the money. You can perform your righteous duty and remove these psychotic miscreants from the streets. You are also free to seize any money or possessions they have with them, including their parents' car. Did you buy the drugs at their house? That's yours now. But you were the one who said to get you pod. I'm going to become sergeant, and you're going to die. I thought you loved me. Now you've destroyed my family. <laughs> Nobody is ever going to love you. Look at your skin. The psoriasis. I know. Drug problem solved. Now get out there and happy hunting. Bring in a case or you're done. In our series on first world problems, the final edition presents Shame of the Family. Reporter Stone Peck has that story. The Great Recession of 2007 halted many plans people had for their families. One such household is the Richardsons of Manhattan's Upper West Side. Well, we laid out, I thought, a pretty realistic budget for getting Laura through college, but, you know, now, of course, everything's on hold. How old is Laura now? Almost nine. Oh, then you still have a lot of time. Well, not really. Nine is getting a little old for a cat. Laura is a gray-and-white striped domestic shorthair, upon whom David and Mandy Richardson had placed a great deal of hope and expectation. I mean, a cat has a brain the size of a walnut. How do you explain to her that she... She can't go to the good daycare center anymore. Right, the good daycare, and, and we can't afford the Swedish veterinarian who's outside our coverage network. And we can't afford riding lessons now. You put your cat on a horse... Well, I couldn't say no to her. Childless, middle-class pet owners are in a desperate situation. Mavis Hitchens of Bernal Heights in San Francisco can no longer afford simple niceties for her 20 cats. And she says the government and social service agencies are simply ignoring her. There has never been a time ever in history anywhere in the world that has been as hard as it is right now for me. Ten years ago, I could pay to put them all in decent wedding gowns and bridesmaids' outfits, and I could still get the kittens properly baptized. Now look at them all pitifully walking around in last year's shoes. Would you say that this is worse than the Holocaust? Yes. When asked about cats in the middle-class safety net, Kathleen Sibelius, secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, gave this exclusive response to the final edition. Who is this? So what do we tell our pets in this era of diminished expectations? 
As kittens, they were raised to believe they become whatever they set their minds to. Now, they are cats without futures, lying in the sun, chasing laser pointers. Useless. This is Stone Peck for the final edition. The final edition Radio Hour is a production of TFE. For your fill of satire with teeth, visit thefinaledition.com at least once a day. Tonight's show was performed by John Henry Kurtz, Rachel Leon, Kevin Janis, Barry Lank, Darby Worley, Ann Tuchel, John Marshall, Rob Gordon, Jin Dodd, Jeff Chrysler, and Tony Hendra. Written by Peter Sagel, Barry Lank, Lou Grossberger, Rob Gordon, John Marshall, Jeff Chrysler, and Tony Hendra. Edited by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. Producers Jeff Chrysler and Tony Hendra. The Final Edition Radio Hour is a production of The Final Edition LLC, copyright 2014. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.